But if you jump up to a Prince song and dance, forget it. Panties on the floor. <laughs> That's good to know. That is useful information. Where the fuck were you 30 years ago? It's not, it's not useful now. <laughs> This is the Epic New Podcast. Two idiots and a list. Where you're going to get two idiots and a list. And now, coming to you live from Circle Avenue Studios, your hosts, Nick Fasolo and Kirik McMillan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Two Idiots and a List, where you are going to get exactly that, two idiots and a list. I'm here today, as always, with my co-host, Nick Fasolo. Well, uh, you already fucked it, uh, Kirk, because uh, we're going to have three idiots in a list today, um, because we are graciously joined by a wonderful friend of the pod, um, our good friend Liz, who happens to be a, I wouldn't say a mega fan, I would say she's a super mega fan of the artist that we are going to look at today. And that artist is Prince. Um, so glad to be here. I like to start um, all of my meetings and all of my interactions with just a quick word. Dearly beloved, we gather today to do this thing called life. That's not a true story, is it? I, it is so true. You know what? Um, I, I've started meetings like that where I'd show up in a big conference room and start that, dearly beloved. And then oh. it would take everybody like 10 seconds to get it, and you always knew who the real fans were. But the thing is, as I get older, all these younger people I work with, they have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah, they think you're praying, and they, they start to blanch. <laughs> They're ready to call human resources. That's right. <laughs> All right. So as we discussed, today is Prince Day. Uh, we are going to talk about Prince, the one, the only. And I think the way we, uh, well, let's jump right into it. we got a lot to talk about today. So the format of our show is we've created a list, the top five things that we like. We're throwing in an honorable mention. We're going to go over what we don't like and then a couple other categories just to make it interesting. So, since you are the super fan, Liz, let's start with you. What is your honorable mention? When I was thinking about this list, I actually created like two lists of 30 songs, and I kept swapping out songs. But I would say my honorable mention that did not make my top five, but gosh, it's so, so, so close, is Baby, I'm a Star. Oh, it's just, it's so simple, and it's just such a, such a F.U. song, and it's just such a bop, and you dance up and down, and it's just Baby, I'm a Star, and that's all you're saying over and over, and it's perfect. Well, I'll tell you, and it's like the essence of who Prince was. Exactly, exactly, and you know, there's something so great about his music, it's so, there's a lot of depth to it, but some of the songs on the surface feel very simple. And that's, you feel like you've already known them. You, you, they feel familiar. They're almost like a lullaby in some ways, right? They're real simple rhyming structures. And Baby, I'm a Star is like that for sure. All right, so I've got something here. Yeah. We've, we've barely, we haven't even gotten the first one out, and we're already on Purple Rain. And when I was doing the research for this, and I was listening to his stuff, 
and got into running down Purple Rain, the thought occurred to me, and maybe it's more of a question, I think I know my answer. Is this a perfect album? Purple Rain, absolutely. 100%. It's pretty cool. Is this his, his rumors? Uh, yes, yes. It, it has a story to it. It has a movie to it. It has, I mean, it's orchestral. It's dirty. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons we love Prince, right? Because, I mean, he just oozes sex, and it's like this androgynous sex that appeals to everybody. So, yeah, it is a perfect album. Every single song this guy wrote has to do with sex. Every one. And that's something I want to get to down the road. We'll, we'll we'll hit that. Yeah, which is like is unique, and even in such a business like rock and roll and music, where it's you know a lot of oversexed people, like even they kind of like couch their feelings and maybe talk about it. This motherfucker went all out. Every song is about sex, and that's that's what it is. Right. It's not even just about sex. It is the sounds of sex. If yes. you listen to him hit his notes, if you listen to his panting, if you listen to his thrusting. Yes. It is the sounds of sex. <laughs> he had on one of his albums, and I don't remember which one, but he has a song called Orgasm, mm-hmm. which is exactly that. That's all it is. Yeah. Is an orgasm. And it wasn't, it, Darling Nikki was one of the one songs that was credited for, you know, bringing the parental advisory to, to the albums. Like that was the one song when Tipper Gore fucking heard that and she's, <laughs> all of her hair fell out. 11 year old daughter was listening to it. That's when she founded the PMRC. That's right. And that was me. I was the 11 year old little girl that just discovered Prince because my little friend down the street had this movie and this album called Purple Rain and I was coming from a place of listening to like Anne Marie yeah. and then whatever whatever banana bullshit my dad was listening to Willie Nelson no disrespect to Willie Nelson but I wasn't coming from a really sophisticated movie music place so I hear Prince for the first time and I'm like a tween and prepubescent and all of a sudden it gave meaning and sounds and words to like my whole being as a kid yeah let's get into that like what is the origin story for you and Prince like do you remember the first time because I remember the exact first time that I ever heard Def Leppard and it changed me forever like do you remember the first time that you absolutely I was at we had just so I had we had just moved out of out of Detroit into the suburbs and I was going to Catholic school so this was my first year in public school so I was in third grade and this was 19 it had to be 1985 1986 and so I met a, a little friend down the street she was an only child and she had all the coolest stuff and I would go there after school and play and she was she always took dance classes so we were always dancing and listening to music and she put on Purple Rain and I had no no idea what just happened to me. <laughs> Even the song Darling Nikki, I was like, who are these people? I need to be hanging out with them. I don't, how do they know me? And again, I told you, I'm coming from like Anne Marie, right. from, you know, the That's Carpenters. a big leap. I mean, that's a, that's a, a tremendous huge change. Huge leap. Huge leap. And then, you know, like with little girls, that you always talk about little boys when you have that little sexual awakening. It happens to little girls around the age it was happening to me listening to Prince. It just, right. it all came together. Well, that's quite a cocktail there. <laughs> <laughs> hitting, hitting Prince right at that age. Can I tell you another funny story about that? So like... I love Prince and I and I and I went home and I'm sure I talked about it because my dad showed up a couple days later and he bought me a cassette of Prince's double Dirty Mind Controversy cassette because nice. he had heard I liked Prince but how fucking out of touch are you to get your daughter in third grade the, 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 
controversy um <laughs> album i mean the songs on it are are you know the filthiest of the filthy it was so hilarious it was dirty mind controversy but you know what it didn't even matter i didn't even see it i don't even think i listened to it because i was so into purple rain right. and the story of it from you know it being a movie it being music it being this right. guy who is this guy all of it I couldn't see beyond that. I love the image of your father, who is this hardened Detroit cop walking into the record store buying, like, the dirty <laughs> album. It's like, big furry mustache, like, yeah, it's, yeah, I'll try this one out. Oh, seriously. I, My dad, like, total, yeah, like you said, Detroit cop. And I'm sure he got it from the bar, actually. I can't imagine. It was unwrapped, so it was like <laughs> someone owned it previously. Maybe he listened to it on the way home from uh, from the bar. Uh, no, my dad was not a fan of uh, of of. Although he loved Motown for being such a bigot, it's kind of a kind of a weird thing. But yeah, he was not into Prince. <laughs> I don't think he really even knew he was. Had he known, he probably would have maybe not brought that album home for his daughter. All right, Nick, what you got for your honorable mention? So my honorable mention is uh, is, is off the same album, um, and it's uh, When Doves Cry. Dig if you will the picture of you and I engaged in a kiss. The sweat of the body covers me. Can you, my darling, can you picture this? Such a weird-sounding song, and... And like I, the, the, I, I'm very visual as a, as a, someone who files things away in my memory, and you know, of course, I'm 13 years old when this comes out, and you know, MTV is all I've, you know, I consumed hours about it a day, and I just like the video is like I shouldn't be watching a half naked prince in a bathtub, and I just catch can't keep my eyes off. Of it. <laughs> it's, it's compelling. It's a beautiful man. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, well, like... he has that androgynous quality. I he mean, did. that was, I remember my mom back in the 80s, right? Is he a he, she? You know, because you could never quite figure out because he wore those heels and he wore the makeup, but yet he had this masculine quality to him. Is he a, he's a he, she's one of them he, she's. Yeah, the, oh, the conservatives God. didn't love, uh, no. didn't love Prince. He wasn't quite up to their speed. He was too dark, too androgynous, too not white. A lot of things going against him for the conservative end of the nation. Yeah, for sure. You just didn't know what to make of him, and that's why I think that like his musicianship got overshadowed for such a long time in the mainstream because you know he was that bigger, larger than life character that you saw on the stage, and it's like, oh, you're like he. They threw him kind of in with the Madonnas of the world at the same time. It's like, well, he's just a big Showtime performer, and that's that's not all he was. The guy is a bona fide. Um, once in a generation musician. Yes. Genius. I agree. This you listen to his what he brings to the table. As I listen to his stuff, I hear everything from disco to old time like fifties doo wop. I hear just plain up straight rock. There's a little progressive rock in there, big band jazz. It's the Minneapolis sound. Yeah. It's the sound he created. LL Cool J rap kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. One of his, it's... my name is Prince, you hear that and you're like, yeah, man, he's yeah. he's fucking rapping. It's fusion, it's rock, blues, jazz, funk, R&B, pop, polka, gospel, because he's from Minnesota and that that music was all around him. And it's like even like Bob Dylan was was a major influence on him as well. They're from the same area. Yeah. All right, my honorable mention is off of 1999, and it is Dance, Music, Sex, Romance. Everybody, get on the floor. What the hell did you come here for? Girl, ain't no 
That's a good one. I dig this song. I think it's just got a phenomenal groove to it. Uh, it has some elements of old school funk. You can kind of hear a little George Clinton in that riff that he wrote. It's got nice funky bass with these sort of backing keys. Uh, it, it sounds a bit like uh, if you listen to the Batman soundtrack, you can hear a lot of elements that came from this style of his writing that he brought into that into that Batman soundtrack as well. Uh, he's got some great classic 80 keyboard bends, like 80s style keyboard bends with these 70s funk guitar riffs. Actually, when I when I listened to it, I kept hearing, I don't know if you guys remember the song Rocket by Herbie Hancock. It was big for like break dancers. You know, in the mid 80s or early 80s, you can hear a lot of similarities to it. Nothing, nothing that would say, you know, one copied the Mm -hmm. other. But I just I that was my uh, that was my honorable mention. I like that song. All right, Liz, that brings us to number five. Let's get into your list. What made my list? list? Oh, God, this was so hard. Okay, kiss, (laughs) kiss, kiss. You know what? It, it got overplayed in the late 80s when everybody was getting married. We know this. Yes. Um, but if you listen to that song, the vocalization on it, that's talking about that screeching sex. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's it's funk. Totally. It's heartbeat. It's dirty. It's danceable. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a party favorite. That's true. I mean, this is the first artist we've done um, that's of note that, that the guy... Every song he has is danceable. Yes. Like, he just, he, he had it. Like, he put it all together. And in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, the dirtiness of rock and, and, and R&B and then with the, the danceability of all the, the fusion jazz stuff that he was doing, it's just like, it, 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 you cannot describe, like, the amount, the level of genius that this guy was working with. And, and you know, it, it, he, he did all of it. He played all of the instruments. All, all of it. It's incredible. He had 39 studio albums, guys. Mm-hmm. 39 studio albums. That's It's crazy. That's why this was so hard um, because yeah. you can have different lists for different topics and different vibes of Prince. I mean, you've got pre this, post that. So um, lots to pick from. His first album had 27 instruments on it and he played all of them. Every single one. Yeah. Every one of them. That's what you do. When you're Prince, yeah. That's right. Yeah, right. That's what Prince does. So my number five is, uh, I think I can't get away from this album, but I just, uh, the number five was I Would Die For You. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's silky. Yeah, the subject matter is like super deep. Like, you know, like this deepness of love that he feels for somebody. But it's like, it's also danceable, mm-hmm. right? It's also like a different level of, you know, listenership. Like, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a crazy, like, like the slide synth work that he's got going on there. It's, yes. He's doing things that nobody else in the 80s would do. 
doing research for this pod, I obviously listened to a fair amount of Prince, and all it did was show me that my rhythm is so not sexy. My, <laughs> my, my, my danceability is just not what this guy's got going on. But it's all, it's all like, if you think about it in, in the terms of sex, all the songs are very orgasmic in the way they build, and they're very extreme. It's that, I would die for you. Let's go crazy. Delirious. I mean, <laughs> yeah. He went and his there. breakdown at the, the his breakdown at the end of that song was he screams. Like that's like that comes from a different place. Yep. 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 It's great. All right, my number five. I have this pod to thank for it. I had actually never heard the song before, and uh, when I was kind of rolling through his albums just picking out different stuff, nosing around stuff I hadn't heard before. I discovered this one. It's called Pop Life. Oh, yeah. It's off of Diamonds and Pearls. It's uh, It's got a, 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 like many of his songs, it has a, uh, you know, I'm a sucker for an excellent funk slap bass. <laughs> and he does that a lot in this. Uh, he's got, he mixes his vocals with these sort of, ethereal keys in the background that make it sound almost kind of psychedelic. Uh, he's got a, a slight reverb on his vocals throughout the song that adds a, a cool effect. And he was he was good with lyrics, too. I mean, obviously, yeah. he, he was good with describing sexual acts, but he also touched on drugs. I mean, he had a line in this one, what you're putting in your nose is that where all your money goes. The river of addiction flows. And the way that line just kind of cruises together, uh, it works Heavy. It works really well. So that is my number five. Nice. All right, Liz, that brings us to number four. Number four. Um, one, two, oh, 1999. I was Come on. I mean, how genius are you to how many years before 1999 did he write that song? Right. Just to guarantee you would play it up to 1999. <laughs> and then, of course, ending the millennium, you know, with, with with the trademark song, it's genius. It's genius marketing. It's a great song. 20 years later, they're still playing it. Yeah, it's 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 nearly a perfect song. And, and the band that he had together for that uh, particular album was tremendously talented, too. Yeah, he, he shuffled through a few band members over the years. Uh, I know that there was the the Wendy and Lisa era, and and I think they brought something to the table that was that was valuable. They had uh, they had a oh. a great vocal sound. Not to mention yeah. they amped up the the sexy nature of what he visual, was doing. It was scandalous, and for MTV, they couldn't help but play um, his videos that that focused on those girls. You know, probably seven times a, a, every half hour. Sure. Because of, because of that, he knew a lot of things about a lot of things, and he knew that sex sold. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right, Nick, what you got for number four? My little four is a uh, little red Corvette. You 
was just talking about his lyrics, and you know the, the lyrics of this song are, are purely sexual. But like when we were, when I first heard the song, like it was just him standing in front of a mic while I'm, you know I'm watching him on MTV, and uh, you know of course my 14 year old brain is thinking like oh cars cool he likes cars too I like cars too I'm, I'm in on this song and then you know then the Trojan things and the jockeys that were there before me is like wow damn it's like you know it's. And you don't know quite what to make of it when you start to listen to the actual music or listen to the actual lyrics of like, you know, is this a pro, you know, woman song? So we're, we're getting back to, to the sexual content of his music. And, you know, as as I'm sure you guys noticed as you, well, Liz already knew it. And Nick, if you didn't, you found out while you were listening to prepare for this pod. Everything does have to do with sex. So oh, yeah. transpose him into present day. Does he, does he, can he get away with it? Can he get away with what he was singing about today as, let's say, a new artist coming onto the scene? Equal talent, equal charisma. Can, and I'm not all that in, well in touch with current pop music, so I'm, you know, I, I don't really have something great to compare it to, but can he get away with this today as a new artist? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And as a matter of fact, it just shows you how rare of an artist he is because it's been that way for a long, long time. And uh, you say you're not really in touch with the pop landscape. Um, well, it's just for the last 15 years, anytime Taylor Swift puts out anything, it goes crazy platinum. Like, and like... I'll give her her due. She's a, she typically sings about getting screwed over by a relationship, right? Isn't right. that her? Yeah, yeah. But you know, she's she's candy store rock and she's poppy and she, you know she's you know apparently she's a good musician and she's a good writer and everything like that. And you know, I'll give her her due. She's a talented musician, but like you know, it is kind of like milk toast type of stuff. Like Prince, like blew the doors off of everybody. It's like what do you, you can't put that on the radio. <laughs> You can't put, like, what do you mean Little Red Corvette is there? Yeah, I think the reason why Prince could do it, because it was sexual, but it wasn't vulgar. Yeah. And I think that's a big distinction. Um, And you see, you hear his influence, you hear his influence with Bruno Mars, you hear his influence with Janelle Monae, you hear hear some of the throwback or a nod to lyrics when you listen to Megan Thee Stallion. I mean, it's everywhere. What he did, he, he really was the leader of... Of the sexual pack. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think so. I think I so. I wouldn't go so far to say as there wouldn't be a Beyonce without Prince, but, mm. you know, he influenced her a great deal, or, or whoever the producers are. I agree that, that the way he sings about sex is different from the way, I don't know, other bands, let's just say, sing about it. It doesn't sound predatory. Right. It sounds... Like you're in on ...welcoming it. and inclusive. Yeah, like you're a yeah. part of it. Yep. Yeah, that's a good way to think of it, because I think that's why it's so... You know, it touches so many people because you're in on it, right? Like, I'm in the party, man. There's no shaming either. And that was evident in the way he conducted his life. I mean, he always blended the lines of androgyny and, you know, he had that femme quality and had that masculine masculine quality and there was just no shame well just also um you know those those uh the keyboardists in his uh purple rain uh band i mean they were obviously you know lesbian yeah. and that was the first time that like for me a white dude just sitting in my my living room I'm like holy shit they're <laughs> they're like lesbians and they're right in front of me and like i'm seeing them for the first like god damn <laughs> i'm watching that's fantastic <laughs> yeah. I mean, it struck all the chords, right? 
All right, Nick, what you got for your number four? Uh, that was my number four, Little Red Corvette. Yeah. That's right. Sorry, I, I missed my checkoff point. Gonna... All right, my number four is Cream. This song brings me to uh, to kind of a party place, and and I don't know. I do have another song in my top five that that was uh, a bigger aspect of like a, like a dance party kind of scene sort of thing in my memory. But this one, this one's there too, and I think it came out in the '90s, right, early '90s. Uh, another obviously sexual song um and i don't know that that's what what made it you know to my top five list i loved his the 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 wah-wah guitars he uses in here um he puts these like bluesy guitar drops throughout it that as i listen to it actually brings me to like and this is a weird comparison but the way the guitar drops in it sounds like the same guitar trot, same guitar drops that Bonnie Raitt uses huh. in something to talk about, and and I actually didn't go back and listen to that Bonnie Raitt song, and I should because they may be way off, and if they're worth anything, then I'll drop a couple in on this pod to compare them. But uh, I like I like this song. Um, there was a BBC review that said. Quote, it's quite simply a song about getting it on, and a brilliant one at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of funny that you think about the Brits over there, the, the stiff upper lip Brits, thinking about uh, yeah. thinking about this song. Yeah. A, a few, quite a few reviewers compared it to a sexy, or equated it to a sexy version of Bang a Gong, the original like T-Rex right. version. There is a very similar feel between the rhythms uh, with drums and guitar riffs. They're they're not terribly far off, uh, but it's clearly an original piece. It's not anything that was, you know, he didn't get influenced by Bang a Gong. I think he wrote this, you know, out of his own out of his own brain. Well, going back to what Liz said earlier, it's like it's it's the simplest of songs, and it and it fucking works. <laughs> every time it's just really so it's like if you're you're sitting in the recording studio like trying to like come up with like original music like prince has got to make you absolutely fucking crazy oh because he just he just cranks it out he just it's it rolls off the t- his tongue and it's so simple and it's so different all of it is just different from one song to the next on even on an album is different but it's but it's always unmistakably him there's the yes. complexity to it but yet the mm-hmm. simplicity that you're like that's a prince song yeah i know that that's a prince song yeah his early stuff has some really good edgy funk to it too so mm-hmm. he clearly progresses through his career into changing different things and he gets a lot more sade as he gets going you know down the road a bit yeah. that's it's a style that's his. It's not anyone else's. Even the songs he didn't record that he gave to other artists are unmistakably his. Yes. Like, Nothing Compares to You is, like, you couldn't get further away from a Prince-type character than Sinead O'Connor, but, like, it is unmistakably his. And it's, it's such a beautiful song. And she did a remarkable job with it. Yeah, and, and it's interesting that it ended up with her when you think about it. And I I don't know that I found out how or why that happened, 
or if he did he know her did he write it for her or he wrote that before he met her I think didn't he he didn't yes he wrote that he wrote that years ago and I believe he never wanted to record it but he ended up recording it he I believe he actually wrote it for Rosie Gaines who was in his new power generation and there's a recording of of him and her doing it but I don't know how it got to Sinead O'Connor but I'm so glad it did because yeah I've got more to say about that song coming up Gotcha. And Chris Chris Cornell actually devastated with it. It's uh, his version is crazy. Unbelievable version. Yeah. It it's especially, you know, with his demise, it just mm-hmm. really you can yeah. hear the sorrow in his voice and it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. All the flowers that you planted, mama in your backyard. All died when you went away. That brings us to our number three song. Liz, who do you have, or what do you have, at number three? I have Let's Go Crazy, just straight up anthem. All right, we have our first steal of the day. That was my number one. Ah! No shit. Yeah. Wow. Okay, go for it. Go ahead, Liz, why? Why? Because it's just, it's a straight up anthem. Let's Go Crazy, what more do you need? (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. I looked at it and I'm like, boy, this feels like it's kind of trite. Like I'm picking a, a really famous song from this guy as my number one. But I couldn't, I couldn't get away from it. I mean, even the most inept dancer can't help right. moving to this song. It has kind of a, like a footloose beat to it, and, and it's really stupid to compare Prince with with um, what's his well, who sang Footloose? Uh, Kenny Loggins. Kenny Loggins. Thank you, Kenny Loggins. But it has that similar kind of driving rhythm, and, and you know it opens with that with the organs and the televangelist intro. You go from a gospel song. And then it goes to pop and then straight up hard rock. I mean, what the fuck is going on in that song? It has an awesome guitar guitar solo at the end. Yes. It's like we forget about that guitar solo. If you listen to that solo, it has the same structure, the same feel of, of a ripping guitar solo from Eddie Van Halen, who many, many people consider to be one of the absolute greats. And this Prince has always been, in my mind, a phenomenal guitarist. And as I listened to this song again, I went, "Holy shit, that is yeah. that is one kick-ass solo that he finishes it off with. Yeah. It's really sharp." And any other artist 
does that solo and I would give you the Eddie Van Halen influence, I'm not so sure that Prince is noticing anything Van Halen did. I think that, like that, I, I don't felt know, the same you way. Know what I mean, that's like, like again, it's like clearly his. I felt the same and, but way. But you're right, like two rock gods, like two guitar gods, like will will tread the same path sometimes. But yeah, he's he's one of the best guitarists that ever lived. So one of the uh, one of the things I found as I was looking into into Prince, you 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 saw it on a number of occasions. He was fiercely protective of his copyrights, mm-hmm. and he went after people regularly if they used his uh, music for for just about anything, which is going to be interesting because when we when we put this pod up, it's going to have different segments of songs in it, and sometimes th- those songs will run behind us talking. And so we could get a fairly lengthy clip of a song in the podcast. We'll see if anybody comes back and, and shuts us down once it actually goes to air. But he had a, a situation where a mother had put a 29-second YouTube video up where a 13-month-old, her 13-month-old child is dancing to Let's Go Crazy, and they made her take it down. <laughs> like, it wasn't even piped in like a fish it wasn't clean it was like you know somewhere in the other room it was playing or somewhere in the background of the room this song was playing and they made her take it down she actually went after him sued him and they changed some of the laws around what artists had rights to do and not to do and he was also one of the few artists who declined to let weird al mimic one of his songs do a parody Mm -hmm. yeah it's funny all right, Liz, that was your number three. Nick, what is Yeah, I'm going to get to my number three, but just uh, the lyrics. So, so let's go crazy. Like, everybody thinks they know the lyrics to that song. Liz, are you aware of the lyrics of that song? Like, do you think you know all aware. of the lyrics? Yeah, you know what? I Yes, yes. Like, you're taking, yes, yes. So when I say that these are true lyrics of this song, yes or no, um, you'll be able to tell me? Yes. Let's let's do let's, let's give you a little test. All right. Okay. Um, let's look for the purple banana before they put us in the truck. Is that a real lyric? <laughs> that is a real lyric. That's a real fucking lyric in that song, and I bet you not too many people know that. Yes. I I was fucking floored when I I've heard that song a thousand times. Like, look for the purple banana. Jesus Christ, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> Just it's Prince, man. Prince. It the. Yeah, <laughs> those are real lyrics. Those are real lyrics. Some say you interpret him to be like he's the purple banana. Look for him. And that's that's part of the party, right? Until they put us in the truck. So let's go crazy. Look for me. Let's go crazy till they, um, you know, institutionalize us. There's, there's not so many people like I, there's not anybody that I know of that is synonymous with a color. Right. And Prince is synonymous with purple. Yeah, I, I agree. I can't think of any other artist or actor right. or right. Well, we do ha- we do know an orange one now, yeah, yeah, who might be in jail in, in a few months. But yeah, that you know that's another story. But he's you know synonymous with the color purple, and it's just uh, yeah, he's purple banana. That one got me. You know what? He was dude was a good businessman. I mean, he was tight with his brand. He was tight with his brand pre Jehovah's Witness, and he was tight with his brand post Jehovah's Witness, or yeah. when he was a Jehovah's Jehovah's Witness till he till he died. I mean, like you said, he there was a look. He wore the same kind of shoes. He had his shoes custom made. <laughs> I mean, it was it, it was intense. He was solid. Yeah. 
protecting the copyrights of his music, the protests when he, um, you know, changed his name to the symbol. So he, he was a tight businessman. It was interesting to me to, to read about that whole dispute he had with, I think it was Warner, uh, Warner Records, where they wanted him to do something or, or they needed him to commit to so many albums and, and he didn't like it. And they wanted him only ended up changing his name to the, to the symbol as a result of the dispute he had with the record company. I like that. Yeah, well, they wanted him to just, they, they didn't want him to saturate the market with Prince shit because they wanted him to just do one album a year. And he was pumping. He's like, no, I got fucking, I can do an album in a weekend. Like, I want to put out as many fucking albums as I want to. And that was the dispute. And they're like, no, we're, we own you. We own, we control your art coming out of you. And that's why he turned to the slave uh, on the face and changing his name to, you know, the, the, uh, the, the symbol. And, uh, yeah, and I like it too. It's like, it's, you know, he's the artist. He let him, let him do print stuff. So as we're talking about the amount of music he puts out, I was curious because I didn't look at this before and I haven't haven't had a chance to validate this. I just looked it up while we were talking. He put out, uh, what'd you say, Liz, 37, 39 albums? 39 studio albums, but he had other, he had yeah. compilations, he had internet albums, he had, you know, remixes, all of that, but 39 studio albums. So I just popped up, you know, Record for most albums released, and this uh, this site that I found says uh, Frank Zappa has a hundred studio albums, wow. thirteen compilations, six six rock operas, and then further bootlegs. So, apparent according to the, this site that I'm looking at, he doesn't hold the record, and that's crazy because I think thirty nine is an unbelievable amount of music i think that's bullshit i think half of that shit that zappa did was just him pushing a drum set down the stairs <laughs> him and the yoko ono band like i mean i like zappa and everything like that but you know let's do we're not doing top five of frank zappa no no it'd <laughs> be it'd be a short list yeah all right, so that brings us, Nick, to your number three. What you got? My number three is a specific one. I don't know if I want to be this specific, but uh, I will. So, like, uh, my one is his Purple Rain rendition that he did at the Super Bowl. Uh, it's 46, I think it was. Y'all want to sing tonight? The whole song, like Purple Rain, makes the, the the top five list, but that that one in particular, the uh, you know whatever he did, the two refrains and the chorus of it, it was wasn't that the Bears Super Bowl? Yes, it was the only good thing about the Bears Super Bowl. <laughs> and the groove of that song is so vastly different than you know everything else on that album. It's it, and I so I'm like I'm reading a little bit up on it, and it was inspired. He was inspired by Bob Seger to write like a slow song that connected with the audience in a different way. And that's exactly what Purple Rain does with you know with slow chord progressions, and then it just turns on its ear, and he just has to do his Prince thing at the end, which is what makes it the greatest, you know. And his and the guitar solo is very, you know, it's very simple. It's I think it's all of five notes, and he just repeats it. But man, talk about getting a lot of mileage out of a couple of notes. And and he really gets into the vocal range on that tune. Yep. Hopefully, if I 
put up because now we're touching on both Prince and the NFL. So we'll <laughs> see just how long this, <laughs> if I use this recording, how long it stays up. But it's a show-stopping song, and unfortunately, it's the last song he ever played live. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. His last that's, show in Atlanta was it? That's a bummer. Okay, so that brings us to my number three, and this was the song that I thought of when I thought of college parties at good old Valparaiso University. It's the song Seven. song not on my list but god isn't it fucking sexy i love that song it is is so sexy with the finger symbols have you seen the video with the belly dancer oh forget it i'll be watching it as soon as this podcast is done Mm. (laughs) i really like that song i think it has uh he, he starts it like this straight harmonized vocals it's just him singing and he's multi-tracked his own vocals so it's him layered on the vocals and it continues through the song and then it gets into this kind of middle eastern almost eastern indian theme he's got some sitars in there acoustic guitars kind of laying down some rhythm in the background i I dig the lyrics not many people can wrap savoir faire into into the lyrics of a pop song and make it work but but it was a it was a great sort of grind song if you were lucky enough exactly someone to grind against it's all like hip movement the song just makes your hips move right was it was it from under the cherry moon or is that later yes yes that's right Nick. that was the one was that the one that he got lambasted on he got a golden raspberry for under the cherry moon didn't he it was misunderstood (laughs) it was he was he was tied with Howard the Duck. No, I'm, I'm serious. He was misunderstood. That movie is, again, it's totally Prince. And I don't think they understood like what he was doing. Like, It was a noir film, right? But the heroine in the film was him. Mm-hmm. And he flipped the genre on its on its own ear. Like... He was he was doing Buster Keaton shit like he was doing all he was put a lot of stuff in like it was a true vision of what a like you could tell this was his vision and nobody else could talk about it, what was going on in studio like like it was a misunderstood film I don't know how great it was but it was it, it was definitely Prince for sure I never I never saw it in fact I don't know that I had heard of it before I was looking at some of the stuff on this song. He plays gigolos. Him and his friend, right? They play gigolos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a pianist. He's a plays a piano at the bar. Yeah. All right. Oh, there you go. All right. So uh, a couple of things, a couple of notes on that song Seven I thought was kind of interesting. There's been a bunch of interpretations on what Seven is referring to. And a lot of what I could find sort of came back to the same thing. There's Reddit threads on it. There's wiki threads. There's all sorts of different things. And a lot of it, they think it's either the seven deadly sins, the seven seals of revelations, the seven major religions of the world, or the seven major record labels. 
this guy's got a lot of cool references in his songs. He's got a lot of religious references in his songs. I saw that, I think he was raised Seventh-day Adventist. Is that mm-hmm. accurate? And then he became Jehovah's Witness. a Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. Uh, it clearly had some impact on, you know, on what he wrote and what he sang. He, you know, he's got a lot of different elements and different songs. He, he drops the entire Lord's Prayer into uh, a song I think is called Controversy. And then he later says, people call me rude. I wish we were all nude. So I don't know how much he was really praying. You know, that's... Uh, hey, man. He clearly had some impact of, of religion on, on his life. And maybe it was his way of saying, you know, I can still be religious and and have a ton of great sex uh, or I don't care if I'm religious or not. I'm still going to have a ton of great sex. And he had always the best looking women around. Him. Oh, of course. Whether it's on stage or in his personal life, it's ridiculous. Yeah, because women love men who can dance. Yes. If a song comes on, you want you want to hang out with girls, you want to hang out with women, dance. We want to dance with somebody. We don't care if you're bad. In fact, that probably makes you a little bit more adorable. But <laughs> if you jump up to a Prince song and dance, forget it. Panties on the floor. <laughs> That's good to know. That is useful information. Where the fuck were you 30 years ago? It's not, it's not useful now. <laughs> I've told all your sons that. I've told Vincent that. I've told Shawnee that. I've told Leo that. Seriously, you want you want girls? You be the one that dances. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Well, I like it. Somebody's looking out for him because I certainly yeah. am. That. <laughs> I'm in that department. <laughs> yeah, you're a mess. <laughs> You're, you know what, Nick? Though you're a fun dancer, so I actually, you know how to, you know how to tear it up. You'll get in there. Yeah, until he, until he knocks the DJ table over. <laughs> I believe we were dancing to a Prince song too. We probably were. <laughs> were Liz's panties on the floor? No, they she... might have been. Well, let me tell you, when all of you guys were getting married in that stretch of time, we were going to all those weddings. I was always requesting Prince at those weddings, yeah. so we probably were on my behalf. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, so that brings us to a segment that Liz we call masturbatory fantasy <laughs> and yes you heard that right okay so this uh, a quick quick trip on the origin of this we've explained it in another podcast but since somebody might pick this one out as the first one that they're going to listen to we'll, we'll give a quick recap nick and i were in vegas as we go every year with uh, with our spouses and during the day we were walking around kind of uh hydrating from from the previous nights and uh he and i were walking through the mgm grand and we were talking about something i don't remember what i don't think nick does either and i turned to him and said it's probably one of masturbatory fantasies for those of you listening who don't know is a friend of ours though this has absolutely nothing to do with his yeah, masturbatory fantasies. But he only meant for me to hear it. But of course, we're walking in the MGM, you know, lobby, and this guy who is, you know, I could have reached out and touched him. He he heard exactly what Kirik had said, and he looked at Kirik like he was going to strangle him because his fourteen-year-old daughter heard the same thing. <laughs> it was right next to him, and I swear, yeah. if, if it was any other time, he was going to get a beer bottle in the back of the head, like. How dare you say those things in front of my my my, my young girl? <laughs> Nick Nick dropped to the ground laughing, and and uh, it's just a funny funny memory for us. So so this is a segment we call 
masturbatory fantasies. Okay. And uh, this is, uh, what tour would you want to see Prince on? And you can add two bands to see as openers for him or closers. Uh, who would, uh, what would your choices be? Oh, gosh. Okay, tour easy, Purple Rain. Yep. Like straight up beginning to end and I, I will tell you about one of the sh- I've seen pr- I saw uh, Prince in concert three times and I'll tell you about I'll tell you about each of them but because um, they're interesting in terms of the timing but in terms of masturbatory fantasy of who I would want with Prince oh Queen uh. I would love to have Queen open for Prince and then I would say um, you know I would go I would go in the genre I'd go in the 80s and I'd say Madonna so I would say that time that night that um Purple Rain time period. I mean, Freddie Mercury had already died, I think, or was no, no, no. He was, no, he was in the throes of his illness, right? Yeah, but I mean, you got sex, sex, and sex. Oh, <laughs> I mean, you have that's the that's the eighties zeitgeist, right? That's yeah. that's how we define the eighties are are those artists. So that would be my fantasy to see all those three together. I yeah. like it. I think it's yeah. three great choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nick, what you got? You stole one of mine. So I would open up with, with another. This is So I went the whole sex route because it's, it's unavoidable with Prince. Um, I would see uh, him in the Purple Rain uh, tour, but uh, have In Excess open up oh, and, okay. um, and close it out with Madonna. Okay, yeah. That's awesome kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good combo. I think those are three complementary bands. Yeah. All right. So I also picked Purple Rain. I don't think there's much surprise that all three of us settled on that. I, I could hear that whole album live and be just pleased as punch. Actually, one time at a New Year's Eve party, Nick, I think at your house, I had my karaoke machine and I sang the entire Purple Rain album to your mom on the oh, couch. I remember she it just well. sat there. <laughs> like, a, like a prisoner. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, is that we had moved, we had moved shortly after that party and I lost the karaoke machine. So I don't know if somebody took it from me or how it didn't end up at my new house, but yeah, it, it was gone for good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I've got Purple Rain and I'm going to go a little different avenue here. I'd like to incorporate, uh, along with Purple Rain, I want to hear Jamiroquai. Okay. Yeah. And I, I also want to hear me some James Brown. I think if you you look at like purple uh, Prince's early stuff, it has a lot of that harder, edgier kind of 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 heaviness to it, a little more uh, gruntiness to it. And I think you could do James Brown as an opener here yeah, yeah. and have uh, a really good segue into, or do Jamiroquai as an opener, kind of kind of warm the crowd up a little, and then do a segue into James Brown, and that rolls into some in, into some some purple one. I'd be down with that. Cool. Okay, that brings us to. Well, let me. Can I tell you guys my? Can I tell you guys my co- my concert story? It. Okay, so yes. I saw Prince three times, and the first time I saw him was back in. It was right before he went Jehovah's Witness, so it was his final tour where he was going to sing the last hits. And so a friend of mine, we heard about it. He didn't advertise in advance. It was like you literally, I think you bought the tickets either the day before or two days before. And I saw him in Milwaukee. So I drove from Chicago to Milwaukee. It was at a really, really small space. It was smaller than the Chicago Theater. And I don't remember in Milwaukee where it was. But it was one of the best fucking nights of my life. (laughs) So I had to have been, I had to have been probably my early 20s. So this would have been the early 2000s. Three beans. 
three bean salad time? Just right after, right after. So I had just moved to Oak Park. And so I met with my friend and we drove, we drove to Milwaukee. We waited in line outside for like an hour and a half because you couldn't get the tickets in advance. You had to pick them up at will call. And it was, I was so close to the stage. He sang everything. He went through his whole catalog. I remember the woman next to me, I couldn't stay still because it was incredible. And the woman next to me was a, she kept looking at me like I kept bumping into her chair. And I was like, (laughs) bitch, seriously, how are you sitting? This is like the best night of my life. How are you sitting here just bopping to let's go crazy with your head nodding? That would be incredible to be that close to the stage for a guy like him. It was incredible incredible and then that's I an saw opportunity him. you're just not going to ever get again that's no. amazing yeah, that's awesome. no and and that's when he retired that's when he retired all of the all of the dirty songs and then when he would sing them again like an encore he would change the lyrics so they weren't the original lyrics they were cleaned up lyrics when he would do bits of them I saw him for his um the ch- his children's tour I can't remember what that album was because it, it just was thumbs down for me but I saw him at the Chicago theater where a guy behind me threw up all over my coat oh, so that was awesome oh. and I didn't realize it and the guy was like hey, they were who gets shit faced at a Prince show <laughs> at the Chicago theater at the theater right right that's like a that's not a you know that's that's an intimate venue you keep your shit together at the Chicago theater <laughs> and then I went and saw I, I never got to Vegas to see him but I also saw him at the United Center with his musicology tour. Oh, that yeah. album, we'll talk about that. That was that was great. That was great. Dude yeah. is so little. His he his heels are so high. <laughs> yeah, he right. I mean unreal. Unreal. He's like what, five five five, five four? Yeah. No, he's... he was he he's so he's like my size. So he's like five two, I believe, and then he always wore four inch heels. Yeah, something about those little dudes, man. Like Bono is not too tall either. He's like five four. No, neither is Mick Jagger. Tall attitude. Right. Yeah, you don't need to yeah, be tall. Right. Just got to know how to dance. Nick, who's six four. You saw him three times, Liz. Yes, three times. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Three times more than me. All right, so let's do the, uh, the let's finish out these these categories here. I'm at the number two. My number two song is Raspberry Beret. always like this song i'm always like it's just again it's just a different type of groove than you got because you were kind of princed out after purple rain like and when he came out with this album um this was i think the first release from this album um and the video that went along with it the cloud suit the whole thing um was just it's great and the lyrics are awesome and when i think about this song it's like liz this is you this is your life right yeah, I love this song. Yeah, the, the, the protagonist is very punky, very artsy, yep. very off-centered, thrift store clothing, all of it. This is you, Liz. All of it. And I love, I love, the, sometimes, you know, when you listen to songs, and sometimes the lyrics are too deep, and you're kind of, you don't want to admit you don't understand what they're singing about, but you're like, what the fuck is this song about? And you've got to look it up, and you still don't understand. That was, that's what's so great about a lot of Prince's songs. Like, you saw the story unfolding in front of your eyes. You know, your working part time at a five and dime you see this girl come in it's so simple and it just you're you're right there and you're seeing it through you're seeing it through the 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 singer's eyes yeah that's a great point and he just unfolds it all right there and it's Mm -hmm. it's it's a really easy song to digest and it's just a great it's a great tune um interestingly enough the video pat smear is in the video from the foo fighters from the foos yeah i don't know what the fuck he's doing there (laughs) is he wearing a raspberry beret how old was he 
have no idea. This was so eight. Raspberry Beret is probably eighty-seven. Yeah, he has to be. He has to be pretty young, right? Young, young teenager, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I'm, how old is Pat Smear? Now I bet Pat Smear's in his mid-fifties. Yeah, yeah. We'll get our research team on it. There you go. We'll get it. We'll get the answer for you. With the budget. All right, Liz. What was your number two? Purple Rain. I know Nick said Purple Rain at the Super Bowl show. That's okay. So I didn't know if I was supposed to say like samesies yeah. or. No, 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 no. Jinxies or whatever, but yeah, Purple Rain. I mean, you guys said it all. Purple Rain. All right, so we've got a Purple Rain. And you're right, Kirk. I think you said Purple Rain is an epic makeout song. (laughs) Did I say that? Wow. Maybe. Oh no, you were talking about Seven and being being like a groove song, but Purple Rain is an epic makeout song. So I think it's like what eight minutes. Let me just add one more thing. I also love that, and we talked about this a little a little while ago with his branding, but. How else, I mean, when he's defined a color, right? Like everybody yeah. knows what purple means and everybody knows what purple looks like and sounds like and smells like sure. because he has given us that. Yeah. I wouldn't disagree with that. It's amazing branding. It is. I mean, and it's, it. I don't know what came first, the name. or the, His name comes from his father, right? It's his actual given name. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so, you know, it's the color of royalty mm-hmm. and, uh, you know. He's just uh, for 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 this culture, purple um, is largely synonymous with him. Prince Rogers Nelson yep. was his given name. His dad was uh, Prince Roger was his dad's stage name in a jazz trio. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so he named his kid Prince Rogers Nelson. Prince didn't like it. He wanted to be called Skipper, <laughs> which is what they called him when he was a kid. And he was an athlete too. Yeah. 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 He played basketball and, and yeah. football. He played football. He must have been on the junior high team. A five foot two football player. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be like at high school, they're probably like, all right, Prince, it's enough. Yeah, you're the punter. <laughs> all right, that brings me to, or brings Your us to, my number two. And my number two is one that I picked up in the last couple of years. I don't know if you guys use Spotify, but Spotify gives you uh, something called Discover Weekly, and they sort of you know run their algorithm on the kind of stuff that you listen to and then they cough out a list of songs that aren't on any of your playlists to see if you know you want to you know if it's something that you'd like and i discovered tons of music that way this song showed up on that about a year and a half or two years ago and i really i really dig it it's one of his early early ones it's called bambi of uh, I think it's his second or third album just a a straight up rock song there are it starts raw with just distorted guitars and drums and then it drops into a funk beat he's got these kind of high falsetto vocals throughout and it's very very simple all it is is drums bass guitar and vox uh, it vocals you know there's no keys there's no layered over harmonies there's no and it's just him just him and a very simple song and it ends with one of the longest guitar solos i could find from prince it's like a minute long and he just just keeps riffing away on it yeah. so yeah. that's my number two little obscure but uh but i dig it it's out there man. 
Okay, so Liz, that brings us, and I'm very interested to hear this. What is your number one Prince let's, song? Let's let's do my number one first, and then we'll do Liz's because she's our guest. Okay, that's we fine. Have yours. Um, mine is uh, my number one song is uh, another one. It goes way back to his uh, Prince album from 1979, and the song is the uh, "I Want to Be Your Lover." I That's a good one, Nick. Yeah, that's a good one. It's really one. cool. Yeah. Uh, it's a cool jam. It's it's a lot of funk in it. It's uh, and his, you know, he's he's just uh, Prince doing his Prince thing. It's fucking awesome. It's really, it's a, it's a, you can't help but not dance to it. Yeah, simple lyrics. It's a love note. It's but it's you know has that sexual fusion infusion to it that yeah. you're right. Your hips just move when you hear Prince. You can't help it. Okay, so number one song. <clears throat> Here we go. Number one song. And I posit to say that I think it might be one of the best songs ever written. Okay. I think it's up there with Let It Be by the Beatles. Ooh. And Nick, you had mentioned it. Nothing compares to you. It's been seven hours and 13 days since you took your love. His version. So he recorded it. He records it with Rosie Gaines. Sinead O'Connor does the cover of it, but there's other recordings of Prince doing it. It just, it just gets you straight to the heart. I mean, it, you just feel the ripping. You feel the heartbreak. You feel just the utter despair. And I love that it, it captures a, the time right when you break up. It's like 17 hours since I, you know, heard your name. Like, remember the first breakup, the anguish yeah. Oh, yeah. of it? And it goes away eventually. <laughs> but I just feel it, he really captures it. And then, like you said, Sinead O'Connor's cover was absolutely amazing like yeah. it's iconic cover it's been seven hours and 50 days and um her video everything about it and it translated it translates to every singer because I, I and i think the simplicity of the lyrics the heartbreakingness the 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 feeling of you know we've all been there again it just it's it's Prince at his at his best. I'd be curious to hear what she has to say about that song today, right? So that song, that what was it? Fires of Babylon wasn't that her other big one? Yeah, the Emperor's New Clothes, right? Nothing compares to you. Was that the one that broke her, broke her out, or yes, yes, that was her breakout. Yep. So that's her breakout hit, and she didn't write it. I'd be just, I'd be curious to hear what her thoughts are on that, on that song. And I should have looked it up. I didn't think of it, but. And I don't know if she shared them, but, you know, do you, does she look at a song? Like, Radiohead hates the song Creep. Really? They rarely, if ever play it live, they just, it, he, uh, Tom York looks at it and he says, that was, that was a, a past life. It was a, it was just a totally different me, a totally different band. So they, they kind of hate the song, even though that's what broke them out. Sure. I'd be curious to know what Sinead O'Connor thinks of Nothing Compares to You. 
since she she didn't write it but i gotta say i gotta say keep it to i gotta say keep it to to radiohead all pissing on creep like you gotta respect the songs that made you big oh hell yeah and you gotta play those songs so if she's got a beef with nothing compares to you i i don't want to hear it she can keep it because (laughs) it's a great song and the video i mean you have this woman shaved head she's got the tear coming down again that goes striking challenging gender norms such good stuff such good stuff and then you know you see the influence like in Adele when I hear Adele's like hello and and Uh some of her weepier songs it has that real breaking feeling to it but I think nothing compares to you again I posit it might be one of the best songs ever written it's a very good song yeah yeah fantastic very good song all right so that brings us to your most hated Liz we'll let you park on that since you just went uh Nick you want to go you want me to go I mean, I, I'll go. I just, I, I don't like the, it's been such an up kind of beats, like, you know, podcast, like Prince is a once in a generation, you know, missions. You got to drag everybody through the dirt at least once. Yeah. I mean, the guy was a genius, but I mean, like, I got to respect everything he did, but I wanted so much to like the bat dance that the, the bat dance, the Batman soundtrack he did. I wanted so much to like, I was rooting for it. It really was. Every time I hear it, I'm like, God. I don't it just doesn't go it doesn't go with the 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 comic but I know what he was going for but it just didn't go with like Burton's kind of vision of them I just I don't like it I don't like any part of it I want to like it I don't Nicholson's campiness I thought fit that music kind of well like when you hear that I don't know which which song it is off the off the soundtrack but that when he's defacing the uh the paintings in the art museum like it fits with what the music's playing I I thought it was actually kind of a fitting, a fitting soundtrack for that movie. I think I'm, I'm more referring to like his bat dance. That was like disco duck. Yeah, very. Yeah, exactly. I wanted so much to like it and for it to be a good Prince song, but it just wasn't. And but you're right. Like the soundtrack music that goes with, like in the in the movie, I thought he did a brilliant job with because you don't really it adds to it, but it doesn't take away from it. Um, uh, but bat dance, just man. Oof, oof. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Okay, so mine is, and this song kind of makes me, ugh, whenever I hear it, Diamonds and Pearls. Oh, my God, that's mine, too. I love that song. <laughs> no. You love that song? Yeah, I do. You know what? No, that like is very, mine, too. The diamonds and Pearls. It's <laughs> so it. corny. It's so corny. Oh. There's, like, Christmas bells in the center of yes. it. And then they, <laughs> they spell so... out the title, a D to the I to the A to the M. Yeah. Go, yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> It's so douchey, right? Like, it makes oh. me uncomfortable. Yes, yeah. that's mine, Carrot, too. I think it's like the chorus. I like the chorus. That's all. Uh, <laughs> it just feels so, it just feels like so kind of gimmicky oh, and it's silly. Terrible. Yeah. If you give me diamonds and pearls. <laughs> I could sing it all day long. Oh. Just, just that. Nick, I didn't know you were such a fan of that song. That's amazing. All right, so amazing. who is the MVP are we going to do the, the best four seconds first? We can do that first if you'd like. Let's, let's do that. Because I'm, I'm, all right, let's do that. Do you, do you guys have some? Yeah. All right, fuck it, I'm interested. I want to go. All right, I got a couple. Best four seconds. Uh, no, it's not. I, actually, I just two. Um, the, his, his falsetto when he goes into pussy control. But the mayor of your brain, pussy control. Are you ready?
Oh my god. It's fucking awesome. I had that song going through my head for like a week or two weeks straight when I was after listening to this. And it's it's really weird to walk through the kitchen and sing, you know, Pussy control. <laughs> you know, your kids are sitting there eating lunch, looking at you like, what the, what the hell are you yeah, singing? It's fucking great, man. It, it's such an empowering song. So Mike, um, for the listeners, my husband, who's Nick's brother and Kirik's friend, um, my first MP3 player, Mike bought me my first MP3 player a million years ago, <laughs> and he loaded it with songs, and he put that song on it. And I was like, you know what? This dude really knows me. He is cheering me on. He knows I am that bitch. Go he knows. Knows that yeah that that is me and he supports me so it's it said a lot it said a lot about your brother me and but this is one of his favorites too and uh, me and used to drive up to northern every weekend to go party when we were in college because we we stayed at home for college and when this he it would hit one of the 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 uh like it would come on the the uh, the radio or whatever and it was just it got him primed man it got him ready <laughs> Oh, I could see. It was I an answer. He was firing on all cylinders by the time he got there. Oh my there. god! <laughs> Pussy I can see it. Oh, it's great. It's great. <laughs> but the the best four seconds, also the other great four seconds, is not really from a, a Prince song. Little Red Corvette inspired Stevie Nicks to uh, write and record "Stand Back," and she couldn't figure out the intro to it. And somehow they got connected with Prince's people, and he came in and he laid down uh, the keys in the intro. Um, that that's that that begin that song, which is a great song on its own right. But those keys and that whole that those first four seconds of the intro. comes in and he's like he takes a great song and he's like i'll make this fucking thing even better and he did yep it's awesome i didn't realize he did that yeah and then he just left like stevie nick said he's like yeah he came in he heard he heard what i had done he's like all right let's do this 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 and he's like all right well i'm out see you mic drop don't need a credit sexual chocolate he's like and i don't need a credit on the song too keep it (laughs) crazy all right my uh my best four seconds uh he does an awesome vocal freak out towards the end of Darling Nikki. busts it wide open and uh and i, and I go ahead no i was gonna say in kiss too he does another he does another like above falsetto scream at the end of it that sounds so musical I'm incredibly, I love seeing artists live. Uh, live music is one of my favorite things to do. And I've seen a lot of concerts. And uh, I, 
I don't know that I ever had the opportunity or if I even realized that, that he was coming through whenever he did. I think I probably had him on a, on a more distant radar than I had other, other groups. And the fact that I missed out on an opportunity to see him is, is yeah. that's, you know, that's tough. I, the fact that you got him three times, I'm incredibly envious because I think seeing this guy do his thing in person would be a lot of fun. Oh, and it's a show. I mean, it was a show, full on dancing show. And I mean, obviously, when he died, he was on painkillers for for, you know, his hips and his knees and his joints because of all the dancing he did. But he would play every instrument and all the songs. I mean, it was just keep up with the guy. It was amazing. Amazing. The fact that you got to see him in a small venue like that in Milwaukee, oh, dynamite. Oh, and I, gosh, and I feel like the tickets had to have been super cheap. Even like, it was one of those things where it was announced and he did, I think he was there for maybe two nights. And I don't know how, I don't know how I heard about it and I don't know what, I don't know how it happened because I'm so not cool about tickets and things like that. So the fact that I got tickets and went was incredible and it was the best concert I've ever been to. Yeah. That's cool. That's typically Prince yeah. though. He, he would do shit like that. Like there are stories all around Minneapolis of like him dropping off like fucking baked bread for the neighbors. <laughs> you know, it's just like yeah. as Prince. <laughs> in, in six inch heels. I had some extra. Yeah, exactly. It's like I had some extra. Here's, here's some big ZD I made. <laughs> and then he just disappear and go cut another album. <laughs> all right. So who is the MVP for this, uh, for this man we know as Prince? Oh, this is easy guys. The MVP are his high-heeled shoes okay i like it honestly although they were a good cause of his death they were good well they were a good cause of his death but you know what high heels for men and women give you swagger right they bump you up they help your poise (laughs) and i think that you know he was all persona and he was larger than life and four inch heels will get you there and he could move on them too so i say his mvp were his high heels he would not be where he is today or where that's that's not the right way to say it they were huge in perfecting his image and perfecting his onstage persona and probably his dance ability too yes so his heels all the way and they were custom made of course oh i'm sure well you probably had little feet <laughs> i was gonna say you probably like a like a size five little man feet all right so i had for the mvp i had his parents i think uh i think when you are uh you're a stage performer you're in a jazz trio you're pretty loose you're pretty you're pretty easy going you you take your stage name and you name your kid the same thing uh you're you're the kind of guy that's going to be like no, don't don't worry about a 401k. Don't worry about a pension. Don't worry about throwing caution to the wind. Go out there and and put everything you've got at it. And mm-hmm. it's that sort of lack of of worry about, you know, living the 9 to 5 life and and earning a a good solid honest living. Uh he he said, "Fuck it. Go out there and and do what you're going to do." And probably imbued him with some talent uh, in the process. You know, if you're good enough to be a, a live, I don't know how successful the guy was, but if you're good enough to be a live performer uh, on a, a regular basis where you've got a stage name and stuff, uh, he probably gave, and, and I, I think his, his mother was also uh, musically inclined as well. So his parents both gave him uh, these abilities and the, the freedom to say, you know, you don't make it, you don't make it. You'll figure something out and, and set him off and off he went. Yep. 
Um, I for the MVP, uh, I think it's unquestionable. That the MVP of this is his libido. Uh-huh. I mean, the man's sex drive was just overcharged, and you know he he was talented enough and gifted enough to be able to channel all of that energy into his musicianship, which you know gave us the songs that he produced. I mean, there's still something like what is it? Something like thirty thousand hours of tapes oh, yeah. that, that still have yet to be gone through. Like the guy was just yep. he was up all the time recording music. And um one of his uh, old engineers was saying in a in an interview that I saw is like he wanted his entire house, every room in his house wired for recording so that mm-hmm. if he was in the bathroom and he thought of something, he wanted to be able to record right there. He didn't want to have to run to the studio in Paisley Park. He wanted to be able to do it right there. And so they hooked up every single room in this guy's house to be wired right to the main board where he would just have to press record and like do whatever was in his head and he would come back to it. That's pretty slick. Yeah, that's that's somebody who's working on a different level of like talents and it's just, you know, it's a God given thing like He's, he's once in a generation. Like, there's Michael Jackson's out there, and they've got a lot of help and a lot of support, a lot of talent, but, like, Prince is one of a kind. He really is. Prince didn't have the uh, uh, Quincy Jones aspect that, that you know, Michael Jackson had. It, yeah. He kind of did a lot of this on his on his own. Yeah, yeah. didn't need him. Yeah, that, that's what makes Prince, like, so special of an artist and such a great loss at such an early time in his life, too. All right, Sisters of Mercy. Do you want more? Do you want more Prince in your life? I'm good. Liz, we know. I think we know the answer for you. Yeah, you know, I do want more. When was it? A couple months ago, they replayed, um, was it the Purple Rain Tour? They replayed, they did a special replay on YouTube. And the the quality was terrible where they played his concert. And I watched it. And it, it, it did, it just reminded me of how sad I am that I can't actually see him live yeah. and perform. It's, it's yeah. such, it's such a loss. It's such a loss. Even him and he would be, I mean, he died what when he was in his early sixties, I think. So, you know, he's, he's up, he'd be up there in age, but man, even he didn't even need to move. Like yeah. it just, it's just, it is, it's sad. Yeah. I would love more Prince for sure. All right, Nick. Uh, I know I said I'm good at the beginning because he there's a core of his career from like 79 to maybe 87 where like that's kind of like the sweet spot for the stuff that I listen to. But I do have to say like when I was just uh, watching the uh, I forget what it was. It was maybe it's George Harrison's uh, tribute concert where he was on stage with just about every other rock guitarist you could possibly imagine. They were doing while my guitar gently weeps. You cannot take your eyes off of Prince whether it's Tom Petty sitting there, Eric Clapton sitting there, uh, Greg Alba, they're all there on the stage. And he uh, he just absolutely tears the place apart with his solo on that song. And it's like, uh, you just can't take your eyes off him. So for that, um, I wish he was still around to see his live performances. So yeah, he's, he's a, it was a tremendous loss. Yeah, I... Um... I'm gonna I'm gonna say yeah I, I can I can get more more prints in my life. I added um, two songs to my overall playlist rotation on this, and uh, one I knew seven, and one I didn't know, which was Pop Life, and uh, you know so I'm I'm good with having a little more prints. The guy was multifaceted, multi-talented. Nothing was the same. And I want to thank you both. I want to thank you both when Prince passed, and I believe both of you reached out to me to give me your condolences. It's a heavy duty, man. I think you're right. I think I did. 
Yeah, you did, actually. I know both you did. <laughs> you both reached out to me. You're like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? Right. Yes, I was okay. I was okay. Um, if he's got those 30,000 hours kicking around and any of them are from, like, the Purple Rain to, you know, the, that, that stretch, like, I'm sure there are. Like, I definitely, I mean, that's the type of, like, that's that's my jam for him. That would be yeah. that would be that would be quite a treat. I'd just say. All right. So that I think that wraps it up for this week. Thank you very much, Elizabeth, for joining us. My Your pleasure. Input was most appreciated. Uh, we'll come back to you down the road here with another another pod. Okay. Well, when you do like either Barry Manilow or Tori Amos, I'm your girl. Yeah, it's got to be. It's going to get down there on the list, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying you know I come from like really bad music background and the fact that I come out liking Prince that's I, I, I'm proud of myself for that because honestly I've seen Barry I like I've it. seen Barry Manilow twice in concert yowzers alright thank you very much for listening we'll be back at you shortly here with another podcast down the road <laughs> <laughs>